Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to Jargonaria Live, a viral marketing show with serious tips and a sense of fun. All right, I'm Kathy Clotes Guest, the founder of Keeping It Human. I am your host, and I am coming to you live from San Jose, California, where it's beautiful, it's sunny, and I hope as it approaches March that it is sunny and beautiful wherever you are. And special shout out to our friends back east. I know it's not been pleasant for you, so hopefully you'll get through that winter soon. This show airs most Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time. We do make exceptions sometimes for people's schedules. Uh, And we help marketing executives and their teams tell their best stories, their most important stories, whether they're product stories, customer stories, or company stories. That's what we do. So this podcast is all about marketing communications and content being more human. And humor is a big part of that. That's what we're going to talk about today. As always, we are a jargon monoxide poisoning free zone. We don't like talking heads, and I know you don't either. You can leave a comment on the blog. Um, Let's see. Um, We are going to talk about humor and marketing today. Now, assuming that... And this does happen. This has happened several times to me where uh, our guest has not called in yet. And so as I'm looking at the dashboard, we do not have our caller in yet. Um, So I'm going to stall here a little bit. We had Chris Lindland, the CEO of Beta Brand, scheduled to be on the podcast today. And as far as I know, he was going to be uh, doing that. So um, he built his company using funny memes on the Internet to sell pants, sweaters, jumpsuits, all kinds of great stuff. And I think with humor and fun, he turned Beta Brand into an organization that's really well known for being fresh and different and fun. And with the current, you know, inspired themes from the Internet. How do they do it? What kinds of things have worked for them? These are the kinds of things that we wanted to talk about. So I think there's a lot of special tips that we can glean here, and I think that a lot of marketing organizations can use. So with that, I, th- I think we have him on the line here. I'm going to bring uh, Chris Linlin from Beta Brand on. Hey, Chris, welcome to hello, the show. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hello, sir. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, I met you briefly at Funny Biz last year, last June, and just loved what you had to say about um, using humor and where you find your inspiration um, to sell your stuff. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of really great nuggets, and I want to have him on the show so that we can talk about this and break it down for the audience. Because um, your company is so well known for using humor, and I'm curious, Chris, what is there a meme out there that your company used that surprised the heck out of you in terms of how well it resonated with customers? Uh, I would say it's currently resonating with customers. We created two emoji uh, shoes and two emoji shirts, which have now just given birth to two emoji dresses which are as casually elegant as they are true public. Uh, it's just a surprise that this is a true uh, emoji that is a web phenomenon and people want clothing made out of it. Yeah. What's to date, has, what's been the the, the uh, 
campaign that's resonated the most with your customers? What what oh, fun well, thing have you done that's <laughs> yeah, you know, they're all you know, fun. Honestly, the one that's resonated the most was actually making their, uh, having women with PhDs be fashion models on our site. So that wasn't so much funny because it was an interesting observation. And the web went right. bananas over that. So, you know, we we we, we do uh, we try to go after things that interest people and make them want to talk. Um, but as far as humor goes, well, you know, we're always uh, one of the top shared uh, April Fool's joke companies. We put out yeah. adult adult undergarments last year, and those were, you know, trying to add some sex appeal to the standard depends. So we made them out of leopard skin, and lace, and leather. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm curious where you get a lot of your your ideas because I know you're inspired by a lot of things out there. And you know, David Nihil and I um, uh, chatted about where where you find some of your inspiration. Um, where where do you look for ideas? I'm curious. Um, you know, I think the thing that which spawns ideas here at the business. One, you know, we built the business to be something that observes the internet and then tries to make product that responds to stuff that's popular online. So we're, you know, we're always looking for stories. Uh, where the creative ideas come from, you know, I don't know, honestly, it's just a, being a weirdo my entire life and then hiring other weirdos to work here. And then you develop a nonstop dialogue of, wouldn't it be funny if, what if you did this, what if, what if. It's a nonstop what if machine that, that, uh, that creates all those things. And obviously, as we all know, only about one in ten of those things really hits. And, uh, you know, as long as you put in up ten ideas a week, then it makes you look like you're a creative genius. Yeah. When, in fact, yeah. you know, you're failing at the same rate that everybody else is. We just, you know, have more reason to fail more regularly than anyone else. Right. Well, and that's VC math. I mean, they always say, you know, you'll get for every, you know, uh, one out of ten in your portfolio will be a hit. So I mean, it, it's you've always got to be looking for things, and that math sounds about right to me. And if you're looking for inspiration, there's a lot of places to draw it. You're probably generating a lot of those ideas, and so well, we, you guys, you, know, are, also, you guys aren't afraid to try. Right. Yeah, well, we, we view the entire business we have as a potential source for stories, and that means the product, the name of the product, the fabrication of the product, the photos that go into the product. And then, you know, potential use case studies with customers. And we play with everything on our entire site. You know, one of the things that we did that uh, got a lot of attention in the business last year was we actually couldn't hire a new UX uh, developer because uh, ours had left. And, you know, you then face the pain of going out and uh, recruiting them, and that costs a lot of money or spending a lot of time to find the person. So we didn't set as we let our entire engineering department hack our homepage so they make it the most god-awful homepage you've ever seen. And the sheer fact that we basically had it was more or less the worst Lycos website you'd ever seen uh, for about 48 <laughs> hours. And the amazing thing about it is that that then drew the entire web design community to talk about, blog about, tweet about our site. Uh, you know, we called it the Horrible Homepage Project. The result was we got about 40 applicants to come work for Betabrand. So, you know, we really do view everything about our business as something that could be the next joke. And in that example, it actually solved the problem of getting applicants out to our business just by making our website look terrible. The funny thing in the end is that the site got so much traffic that our sales went up despite the uh, the hurdle that was created on the homepage. Yeah. Well, what a great way to advertise. I think that's genius. And, hey, we need help. 
<laughs> we looked like yeah, people exactly. would like yeah, us. The need for the health was very evident. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great. Um, how do you decide? I mean, I, I love that you're you're engaged a lot in what if possibility thinking because I think that's right. I mean, it's the risk taking that you have to have, and that's the right. I, I think that's such a great open mentality. And how do you decide when you're looking at a bunch of ideas? Um, you know, which ones to try and which ones you go. You know, maybe not. Is there some kind of rule of thumb that you guys use, or is it just what gets the most momentum and votes internally? Uh, sort of. I mean, again, there's there's the things that are, you know, I think, for me, I always say, oh, that's such a stupid idea. And for me, in our company, that's almost like that's the highest praise for something, because it has a quality to it that you think the web will just, you know, irresistibly want to share with each other. And we know that those are good. Um, when we play with things that involve, uh, I would say, sex or drugs or, um, you know, things that can be disgusting, we always try to really spin our minds through a bunch of times to have an angle on it that's sort of funnier and rather than just perverse. And, you know, because, again, the web being what it is, you need a lot of attention for doing that stuff, too. Um, but we always try to have it be kind of in good uh, highbrow, lowbrow humor. There's always got to be an idea. So, like adult, adult undergarments. Uh, you know, we really presented them as senior citizens that were now a lot sexier when they wore them. And that, you know, ultimately involves bodily function, but was a spin on an idea that I think ultimately made it funny and fair. Uh, so, you know, I, th- yeah. I think that that's, that's kind of the line that we ultimately draw. And it's always happening. I mean, I write uh, our newsletters with my, you know, one of my oldest friends, Anthony Jaffe, who's a brilliant copywriter. And he and I are on the phone every morning over coffee, kind of going over jokes. And there's a lot of jokes that we think people won't get that are a little bit too out there. And we just have to become our best editors. You know, it's, it's yeah. sad. You know, sometimes I think something's really funny. It's just like, nope, can't let that go. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think that's a really interesting approach, and I I've never seen another company out there, um, you know, forget category for a moment, but you know, I've never seen another company try so many different things in in such a way and have so much fun doing it. I mean, it looks from the outside that you guys are just having such fun um, because you don't. I mean, you take your product seriously, but you don't take yourselves too seriously. And and the descriptions for a lot of the pants and just a lot of the different things that I've seen on there and and. Are, are just, they're pretty funny, and I'm thinking, you know, I love the fact that you're trying these different things to sell pants. At the end of the day, you're selling pants and, and whatever clothes you're selling, but there's such a story, to your point, there's such a story behind the pants, and, and I'm laughing at the story, and, and <laughs> there's no other pants, there's no other company out there that would sell clothes to me and grab my attention in that way, because you really have adopted that, you've told me a story about the pants, and now you've got my attention, and it's hysterical. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the thing that's funny about it is our top, tip-top selling products are all very regular products. I mean, like our number one product are dress pants, yoga pants, and that is a as sober as it gets. It's, it's products that women can wear to the office that are feel like yoga pants, look like yoga pants, but ultimately are professional enough to wear in the workplace. Now, that doesn't sound like a joke at all. It's actually just right. a cool product. And the same thing goes with our most popular men's product, dress pants, sweatpants. A little bit more novel because we're making, you know, dress pants out of sweatpants fabric. But ultimately, people just wear them because they like to wear them. So it puts it upon us to say, hey, listen, I get that. And people want to wear regular jeans and regular shirts and stuff like that, and we sell scads of them. Um, but I think that people, 
enjoy consuming from Data Brand because we're always trying to be creative, no matter what, whether it's the product or the photos, the story around them. Uh, and, and maybe that's the thing that's ultimately resonant with customers. And they say, all right, well, they're always trying. I may not like this week's thing, but I can't not open next email because it might be something that's either funny or an actual thing I want to buy. So we feel yeah. this sort of obligation to our audience to, at the very minimum, never stop trying out ideas because we think that that's the story ultimately that people connect with the brand. Like, are we a, are we a creatively interesting brand? Yes. As we try mm-hmm. always. Yeah, and and I, and I think you, I think you nailed it. I mean, because I, I see you guys as, as so much more than a clothing company. You're really sort of a copy editing company, and you're an idea company. And to me, that's <laughs> part of the that is part of the fun, and it's like yeah, it's kind of like what what are they going to do this week? And I think that really is part of part of you. It's well, it's your personality. It's your it's your brand's personality, and I think that's part of the fun. And I think people do resonate with the fact that you take those risks because I don't I can't. Think yeah, of I mean, hey, other people might be better, and I, I know that the web is filled with you know singular creative geniuses but uh we we we're not afraid to try something every day and uh i think that that's you know it it makes me feel good to say hey by volume we do a lot of stuff we try 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 there are obviously people out there that can be better but uh we we always no one can ever complain that we don't try yeah no doubt is there when you look back at all the things you've tried and sort of the lessons you've learned and just taking all these these risks with 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 humor and creative and and what have you learned about using humor in in marketing at least for your company what are some of the either painful or great lessons that you've learned about it along the way well i mean higher open rates in newsletters you know we we've always had you know from our mail service providers they always say that we're the highest in the apparel category because and so that you know obviously translates to money. Because if you have people's attention, there's a good chance, there's a better than average chance that they'll click on something and then ultimately buy it. So that investment over time actually just has made us more money. Um, uh, in terms of how we, uh, you know, there was recently a brand study poll we did. We only spend our ad dollars, by the way, on direct response advertising. It's, <laughs> are you a woman in our demographic? Are you interested in yoga? then you should click this and buy it immediately. It's not mm-hmm. some elaborate creative, you know, tale that they ex- they experience at that point. It's very practical direct response advertising. But because of all these stunts, the press coverage we get is nonstop. And by that I mean some story in some major publication every two or three days. Um, and the result of that is that we did a brand study poll on Google and we discovered that one in ten uh, people in the United States who – uh, you know, who are online, no beta brand. And normally you'd have to spend a lot of money on billboards and ads and, you know, magazine ads and stuff like that to have that brand recognition. And we've achieved that by way of, uh, you know, the, the stuff that you and I are talking about right now, constantly getting yeah. our story in the news and constantly getting people to forward our stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, you've really nailed sort of the earned, the earned media category where, you know, your dollars just don't reach. They just don't reach, but because of um, – and I'm always seeing Beta Brand, you're right, in a, in a on the news, either in Bloomberg or in a press co- – some kind of press coverage because you're using humor. And I'm like, that's it. That's that's the differentiation with that brand. And it looks like you're having fun doing it. And I don't think you can put dollars – I mean, that's really hard. That's a huge budget if you were to try to, you know, pay for that kind of coverage. And I think that's that's pretty incredible. 
Is there? Well, is there the good anything? news to all your listeners is that uh, English majors come really cheap, and they're really good writers, and they're very talented. <laughs> and uh, if you let them loose and you let them be creative, uh, you might be surprised at what you get out of it. Well, and I think that's just it. It's letting them have that that uh, free reign to be able to take those risks. And there's not a lot of environments that do that. And you've got a lot of creative people and creative writers around in high tech, which I came out of. There's a ton uh-huh. of them. Unfortunately, they're shackled and they don't get to do the kinds of uh, as fun things that uh, um, that you guys are able to do. There there are pockets where it's changing, but uh, you know, it's it's the environment, it's the culture. I think. Um, is there is there anything that you um that you went out Chris looked at recently somebody else has done and you went damn I wish I thought of that I wish Beta Brand had thought of that <laughs> Oh gosh I mean there always is I mean YouTube is just still you know something lands in your inbox all the time Let me think Uh <clears throat> you know I'll come back to that if I remember something but there isn't something that's on the top of my mind right now but you know I, I think one of the difficult things about being interviewed for being creative is that it makes you feel, uh, you know, like you're being a showboat. And the truth is, you always feel like, oh God, I gotta, I gotta try to be better because there's always someone that's a lot funnier online, uh, or you're always getting some better ads sent to you from someone else. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we get the recognition for it, but trust me, uh, <laughs> it hasn't given us big heads at all. It's kind of we got to get back to it the next day to tell the new story. Yeah. I think once you have had the kind of success that your company has had, that sets the bar, and so it, people expect it from you. So now, 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 that's your job is to keep that funnel open. But you've been—I mean, the company's done a really good job of keeping that funnel open. And you know, it's always amazing to me the ideas that you guys find, the, the sources of inspiration that you pull to to, to <laughs> come up with your creative ideas, and I, it makes me laugh. And I think you know, everything can be in theory a source of inspiration. It's just sort of being able to see it. And I think that to me is um, not just giving people the free reign to do it, but being able to know where to look and and how to harness that. And it, it seems like your company has a really a lot of fun doing that. It, it, it's great when it works. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Has, has there something that hasn't worked so well, Chris? Has there been something that you thought, you know, this is going to do it. This is going to sell pants, and you went, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, the thing is, stuff is always failing. I mean, it's 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 uh, so you know what we do is we put out a new product every day, and uh, we built this elaborate crowdfunding platform so that people from all over the world would submit ideas to Beta Brand, and that only opened the total number of things that come up. Um, and the results have been remarkable. I mean, really, like some of the best ideas are no longer my ideas on the site or people who work here, and that's great. But, you know, the, the fail rate of all these products that go into crowdfunding is consistent with what you see on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. We have about 40% of them that just don't make it. And sometimes they're the ones that you think are great ideas, but people just don't um, invest in them. So it, it's a pretty interesting question. Like, there's actually lots of things that have been bad ideas that have come out of Beta Brand. But once we created a mechanism where things can can succeed and fail right beside each other, it, it, it makes you feel more emboldened to take risks because, you know, if people understand that your brand is all about some things make it, some things don't, well, then, you know, you can really be free. Uh, and then, obviously, for us in clothing, the investment in every prototype that doesn't make it is only a few hundred bucks. Yeah. <clears throat> It's an interesting way to look at it. You know, 
such an important point about the failure rate because even though the failure rate may be high at 40%, your success rate's conversely high. And and that is because you you because you are launching something new every day. Um, you, you know, it doesn't matter if it failed, there's a new chance tomorrow. So, you know, when you're generating lots and lots and lots of ideas, some will fail. That's just sort of accepted math. Um, yeah. But no, no one failure then becomes, um, it has longevity because you've got to do it again tomorrow. And I think that's the great thing about what you do. Um, when you're generating lots and you're trying lots, you will have to to have a high success rate. You'll have a high failure rate, but you'll also have a higher success rate. I agree. No, there's no doubt about it. That's true. There's a, there's always a hit and always a turkey on Beta Brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should you you could have some fun with the turkeys. <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> like a compilation yeah, we, special. Yeah. <laughs> we have. <laughs> Good. Um, if there's if there was a couple things that you know you could recommend to to teams out there and marketers are thinking, you know, how do I how do I approach um, adding that kind of creativity and levity in my marketing, what are some places that you would recommend they start? Because I think to people who don't do it as frequently as you do and your company, it's it's daunting. Uh, you know, maybe internally is a good way to look. I mean, you know, I think that companies entertain each other and, and speak in a voice internally that they don't speak to the outside. And uh, that's interesting for me because it, it it's, I don't know if it should be that way. So, you know, when I say these things, I just say, well, you know, why don't you get a lot better at putting on company events for yourself or, or stuff like that so that you start being more creative there and then letting that leak out into the marketing that hits the outside world. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not kidding when I said earlier, like, you know, English majors, they're out there. They, they know how to write well. Uh, that's their job. They've got um, great uh, sources of resources and ideas and stuff like that. And you know, I mean, our voice is from a journalist, uh, a person who studied journalism who writes for our company, and he's the funniest person I've ever met. And, uh, you know, this is not a person that got an MBA or had a marketing background. And the result mm-hmm. is you just get stuff that people want to read and talk about. And this isn't like a pox on people with marketing backgrounds. It's just opening your mind to the, uh, you know, to the backgrounds of the people who could come and work for you. Really focus more on how they can write than where they worked before. Right. Right, and and how do you how do you scale something like that? Because it, 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 it sounds like you've got to have a team of really empowered people, and but you've got to make decisions quickly. So you're not only generating ideas quickly, but you've got to be able to um, to to run with ideas quickly. Um, how do you how do you set up a, a structure like that? Well, what's great about the internet? I mean, like, <clears throat> and there's a lots of ways to look at this in the way that the internet interacts with different people's businesses that you can always measure the success of something or failure. And <clears throat> Sorry, one second. Betabrand is filled with creative people and filled with people who are really confident of how much better their idea is than yours. And that's, the, that's just the nature of uh, creative businesses. But the beauty of it is, is that however passionate someone that is that his or her idea is much funnier or more interesting or more beautiful than yours, you can always see whether it, who's right because people either click or buy things. And what's great is that we try to push as many cycles as possible so that everybody has their chance to be on center stage at Bayfront. And over time, you start to learn who is better. And over time, you learn that you know their opinion actually carries more weight than another person's. 
because it's it's fair, right? That we're exposing these ideas to big audiences every day. And if a person tends to be more persuasive with his or her copy or the images that they take or the style that they put into something, well, everybody knows. And I think that's what's great about Internet anything is it's this machine that can actually weigh, you know, creative work and show which attracts more attention. Anyway, I, I, I'm a big believer in it. You know, we do all kinds of different tests and styles of newsletter writing. And the ones that get the clicks win. Yeah. Do you see consistent themes or do you find that there's – I'm sure you see patterns, but do you, do you – is there certain things that you've noticed that bubble up that tend to to uh, resonate with people more? <laughs> um no, I mean, list jokes kind of, you know, get people to, like, you know, it's the environment that you're sending newsletters into or often inboxes, and inboxes are, you know, where impatient eyeballs live. And so giving them, you know, <laughs> right. bite-sized worth, chunks of copy is worthwhile. Yeah. And, you know, easy yeah. to digest images and stuff like that help, but we're never doing it that sacrifices of being interesting. We just sort of, uh, uh, there's different formatting techniques that we have so that people actually do read our newsletters. Yeah, it's where most copy goes to die, a painful death, I think. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's because <laughs> most most of them are, are death worthy, um, you know, and so, yeah, you, you seem to have cracked that nut. Um is there anything, is there one thing that, you know, because it sounds like there is there is a process, there is ideas, letting employees have ideas, letting the Internet decide, coming up with a lot of ideas. Is there one thing, if you could kind of point people in that direction, just start here, just start here, um, what would you say? Um, yeah, maybe your newsletter. Everyone can, everyone's got a mailing list. Everyone can test out different ideas on newsletters, and there's always a method of measuring whether something worked or not. And, uh, you know, you're competing for attention in that space, but it's also a great way to interact with people. Uh, That's kind of the the origins of all our ideas begin with direct interaction with our customers. So Mm -hmm. newsletters are a place to start. Yeah, it's a great place to start. Um, So your copy doesn't go to the the graveyard. Um, I'm curious... um, Chris, is there is there one campaign or one thing that you guys did that your, that remains your favorite to date? What is your favorite from Beta Brand? Let me attempt the uh, other question that I just said because I do have a good answer to that one. Okay. Uh, if you're trying to be funny, be confident that what you're doing can actually make your best friend laugh, and not some hypothetical person out there, right? Like I think a lot of marketing is designed for this assumed identity of a customer out there and not someone you already know. And so if you're speaking to these people as if you literally know them, then you'll, you can answer your questions pretty quickly of whether you actually think something is funny or you just assume that they might think it's funny. And I guess that's why I go back to the thing I talk about, how I work on all our newsletters with my, uh, with my best friends, is that we're literally trying to make each other laugh first and once we've achieved that, well, then, you know, we just pass that on to the customers. So yeah. what is the – now to answer the question you just said, what's the um, what's the thing that's been most successful? Um, or that's made you laugh, or it, maybe not even most successful, that's personally made you <laughs> smile the most. That's made you laugh? Uh, personally made me smile. 
Uh, you know, I'll say this, and this is this is one of these things where it's not so much a joke. Is we've asked all the time for our customers to send us photos and videos, and there's an astonishing quality to the stuff that comes into Betabrand. We specifically the people who own our disco stuff. Uh, yeah. People send in videos of themselves underwater, in the air, all over the world. And there's this charm that I think, I hope, reflects the effort that we put in creatively to get our customers to play along with us. And that stuff always uh, pulls at my heartstrings because it's our ideas that we've had here, cooked up, sent out in the world, and then people are showing us what they've done with them. And that's really been meaningful for me. Meaningful in ways that you know I, I can go on and on and on about, but it's so cool to see. Uh, I, I bet it was like when musicians hear their songs on the radio, you know, or see that yeah. people are, are having their songs play at their weddings. It means that what you've done has actually become a part, a part of a person's creative experience. So for me, it's always the customer photos and videos because they're better than anything we take. I think that's a great answer. You know, you know, you've made it. You've made a dent when um, people really connect with your brand by creating their own content to connect with it. Know, when, they care, when they care enough to yeah. make a thing we've created part of their own personal experience, it's unreal. Yeah. So you've, I, you've, I, I you've, love you've, that. Yeah, no, you've crossed that boundary. I think that's great. Well, I, we're going to have to have you back at some point if you've got time because this was, this was great. So many great ideas and great tips. And you, if you haven't seen this idea, everybody, and you, you need to, it's www.betabrand.com. You can follow them at Twitter, at Betabrand. Um, some great stuff that always makes me laugh and smile. And I, I loved your tip about, Chris, just if it makes you laugh because that is my litmus test. If, if I, I don't pitch I don't pitch and say, hey, let me run a joke by you. I just do the joke. And if I don't yeah. get a laugh, it's dead. It's dead. There's no, what did you think of the joke? It's visceral. It either made you laugh or it didn't. <laughs> that, that's it. pretty much Reach how I work. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed uh-huh. it. Thanks for listening, for- folks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Good stuff from Chris Linland. Thanks so much, everybody. Um, I love hearing your comments and your questions. It's really helpful, and, and a lot of you were excited about today because who doesn't want to learn more about humor and marketing? It's such a great topic. You can always send your questions in at Kathy at keepingithuman.com. I'm Kathy Clotes, guest from uh, Keeping It Human, and, of course, you know what I'm going to say. I say it every week. I'm keeping it human out there, so you keep it human there, too. Next week we have Brian Kramer um, from Pure Matter on the show, and um, we'll see you next time, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.